Section 1 of The Notebooks of Samuel Butler. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kristen Lewis, Houston, Texas. The Notebooks of Samuel Butler. Edited by Henry Festing Jones. Preface. Early in his life, Samuel Butler began to carry a notebook and to write down in it anything he wanted to remember. It might be something he heard someone say. More commonly, it was something he said himself. In one of these notes, he gives a reason for making them. One's thoughts fly so fast that one must shoot them. It is no use trying to put salt on their tails. So he bagged as many as he could hit and preserved them, rewritten on loose sheets of paper, which constituted a sort of museum stored with wise, beautiful, and strange creatures that were continually winging their way across the field of his vision. As he became a more expert marksman, his collection increased, and his museum grew so crowded that he wanted a catalogue. In 1874 he started an index, and this led to his reconsidering the notes, destroying those that he remembered having used in his published books, and rewriting the remainder. The rewriting shortened some, but it lengthened others, and suggested so many new ones that the index was soon of little use, and there seemed to be no finality about it. Making Notes, page 100-1, post. In 1891, he attached the problem afresh, and made it a rule to spend an hour every morning, re-editing his notes and keeping his index up to date. At his death in 1902, he left five bound volumes with the contents dated and indexed, about 225 pages of closely written sermon paper to each volume, and more than enough unbound and unindexed sheets to make a six-volume of equal size. In accordance with his own advice to a young writer, page 363 post, he wrote the notes in copy and ink, and kept a pressed copy with me as a precaution against fire. But during his lifetime, unless he wanted to refer to something, while he was in my chambers, I never looked at them. After his death I took them down and went through them. I knew in a general way that I should find, but I was not prepared for such a multitude and variety of thoughts, reflections, conversations, incidents. There are entries about his early life at Langar, Handel, school days at Shrewsbury, Cambridge, Christianity, literature, New Zealand, sheep farming, philosophy, painting, money, evolution, morality, Italy, speculation, photography, music, natural history, archaeology, botany, religion, bookkeeping, psychology, metaphysics, the Iliad, the Odyssey, Sicily, architectural, ethics, the sonnets of Shakespeare. I thought of publishing the books just as they stand, but too many of the entries are of no general interest, and too many are of a kind that must wait if they are ever to be published. In addition to these objections, the confusion is very great. One would look in the earlier volumes for entries about New Zealand, and evolution, and in later ones for entries about the Odyssey and the sonnets, but there is no attempt at arrangement, and anywhere one may come upon something about Handel, or a philosophical reflection, 
between a note giving the name of the best hotel in italian town and another about harry nichols and herbert campbell as the babes in the wood and the pandemium at the grecian theatre this confusion has a charm but it is a charm that would not i fear survive in print and personally i find that it makes the books distracting for continuous reading moreover they were not intended to be published as they stand preface to volume two page two one five post they were intended for his own private use as a quarry from which to take material for his writing and it is remarkable that in practice he scarcely ever used them in this way these notes page two sixty one post when he had written and rewritten a note and spoken it and repeated it in conversation it became so much a part of him that if he wanted to introduce it in a book it was less trouble to restate it again from memory than to search through his precious indexes for it and copy it gads hill and trapani page one ninety four at peora page two seven two post but he could not have restated a note from memory if he had not learnt it by writing it so that it may be said that he did use the notes for his books though not precisely in the way he originally intended and the constant rewriting and reconsidering were useful also by forcing him to settle exactly what he thought and to state it as clearly and tersely as possible in this way the making of the notes must have had an influence on the formation of his style though here again he had no such idea in his mind when writing them style page one eighty six to seven post in one of his notes he says a man may make as it were cash entries of himself in a day-book but the entries in the ledger and the balancing of the accounts should be done by others when i begin to write the memoir of butler on which i am still engaged i marked all the more autobiographical notes and had them copied again i was struck by the interest the variety and the confusion of those i left untouched it seemed to me that any one who undertook to become butler's accountant and to post his entries upon himself would have to settle first how many and what accounts to open in the ledger and this could not be done until it had been settled which items were to be selected for posting it was the difficulty of those who dare not go into the water until after they have learned to swim i doubt whether i should ever have made the plunge if it had not been for the interest which mr desmond mccarthy took in butler and his writings he had occasionally browsed on my copy of the books and when he became editor of the review the new quarterly he asked for some of the notes for publication thus providing a practical and simple way of entering upon the business without any very alarming plunge i talked his proposal over with mr r a streetfield butler's literary executor and having obtained his approval set to work from november nineteen o seven to may nineteen ten inclusive the new quarterly published six groups of notes and the long note on genius page one seven four to eight post the experience gained in selecting arranging and editing these items has been of great use to me and i thank the proprietor and editor of the new quarterly for permission to republish such of the notes as appeared in their review in preparing this book i began by going through the notes again and marking all that seemed to fall within certain groups roughly indicated by the arrangement in the review 
i had these selected items copied distributed them among those which were already in print shuffled them and turned them over meditating on them familiarizing myself with them and tentatively forming new groups while doing this i was continually gleaning from the books more notes which i had overlooked and making such verbal alterations as seemed necessary to avoid repetition to correct obvious errors and to remove causes of reasonable offence the ease which these two or more notes would condense into one was sometimes surprising but there were cases in which the language had to be varied and others in which a few words had to be added to bridge over a gap as a rule however the necessary words were lying ready in some other note i also reconsidered the titles and provided titles for many notes which had none in making these verbal alterations i bore in mind butler's own views on the subject which i found in a note about editing letters granted that an editor like a translator should keep as religiously close to the original text as he reasonably can and in every alteration should consider what the writer would have wished and done if he or she could have been consulted yet subject to these limitations he should be free to alter accordingly to his discretion or indiscretion my discretion or indiscretion was less seriously strained in making textual changes than in determining how many and what groups to have and which notes in what order to include in each group here is a note butler made about classification fighting about words is like fighting about accounts and all classification is like accounts sometimes it is easy to see which may the balance of convenience lie sometimes it is very hard to know whether an item should be carried to one account or to another except in the group headed higgly piggly i have endeavored to post each note to a suitable account but some of butler's leading ideas expressed in different forms will be found posted to more than one account and this kind of repetition is in accordance with his habit in conversation it would probably be correct to say that i have heard him speak the substance of every note many times in different contexts in seeking for the most characteristic contexts i have shifted and shifted the notes and considered and reconsidered them under different aspects taking hints from the delicate chameleon changes of significance that came over them as they harmonized or discorded with their new surroundings presently i caught myself restoring notes to positions they had previously occupied instead of finding new places for them and the increasing frequency with which difficulties were solved by these restorations at last forced me to the conclusion which i accepted only with very great regret that my labors were at an end i do not expect every one to approve of the result if i had been trying to please every one i should have made only a very short and unrepresentative selection which mr fifield would have refused to publish i have tried to make such a book as i believe would have pleased butler that is to say i have tried to please one who by reason of his intimate knowledge of the subject and of the difficulties which would have looked with indulgence upon the many mistakes which is now too late to correct even if knew how to correct them had it been possible for him to see what i have done he would have detected all my sins both of admission 
end of commission, and I like to imagine that he would have used some very such consoling words as these. Well, never mind. One cannot have everything. And after all, le mieux est l'ennemi du bien. Here will be found much of what he used to say as he talked with one or two intimate friends in his own chambers or in mine at the close of the day, or on a Sunday walk in the country round London, or as we wandered together through Italy and Sicily, and I would, it were possible to charge these pages with some echo of his voice and with some reflection of his manner, but again one cannot have everything. Men's work we have quoth one, but we want them. Them palpable to touch and clear to view. Is it so nothing then to have the gem? But we must cry to have the setting too. In the new quarterly, each note was headed with a reference to its place in the notebooks. This has not been done here because, on consideration, it seemed useless and even irritating to keep on putting before the reader references which he could not verify. I intend to give to the British Museum a copy of this volume, wherein each note will show where the material of which it is composed can be found. Thus, if the original notebooks was also some day given to the museum, anyone sufficiently interested will be to see exactly what I have done in selecting, omitting, editing, condensing, and classifying. Some items are included that are not actually in the notebooks. The longest of these are the two New Zealand articles, Darwin Among the Machines, and Lucubratio Ebria, as to which something is said in the prefactory note to the germs of Ilswurm and of life and habit, page 39 to 42, post. In that prefactory note, a dialogue on species by Butler and an autograph letter from Charles Darwin are mentioned. Since a note was in the type I have received from New Zealand, a copy of the weekly press of 19th June, 1912, containing the dialogue again, reprinted, and a facsimile reproduction of Darwin's letter. I think Mr. W. H. Triggs, the present editor of the press, Christ Church, New Zealand, also Miss Corbin Veal, and the members of the staff for their industry and perseverance in searching for in identifying Butler's early contributions to the newspaper. The other principal items not actually in the notebooks, the letter to T.W.C. Butler, pages 53 to 55 post, a psalm of Montreal, pages 388 to 389 post, and the righteous man, page 390 to 391 post. I suppose Butler kept all of these out of his notes because he considered that they had served their purpose, but they have not hitherto appeared in a form now accessible to the general reader. All the footnotes are mine, and so are all the prefactory notes, which are printed in italics, in the explanatory remarks in square brackets, which occur occasionally in the text. I have also preserved in square brackets the date of the note when anything seemed to turn on it, and I have made the index. The biographical statement is founded on the skeleton diary, which is the notebooks. It is intended to show, among other things, how intimately the great variety of subjects touched upon in the notes entered into the formed part of Butler's working life. 
it does not stop on at the 18th of June, 1902, because, as he says, page 23 post, death is not more the end of some than it is the beginning of others, and again, page 13 post, for those who come to the true birth, the life we live beyond the grave is our truest life. The biographical statement has accordingly been carried on to the present time as to include the principal events that have occurred during the opening period of the good average threescore years and ten of immortality, which he modestly hoped he might inherit in the life of the word to come. Henry Festing Jones Mount Eryx, Trapani, Sicily, August 1912 End of section one.